Welcome to the Nutrition on a Mission podcast. I'm Dr. James Gieselman, and my co-host is Coach Drew Sams. And together, we bring you some of the leading nutritional providers and world-class athletes from across the country who incorporate nutrition either into their practices or day-to-day lives. Our guests share with you their stories of what led them to their passion for nutrition and how you can incorporate these into your practices into life. So Drew, how's it going? Not too bad, James. Um, other than I am just getting over a little bit of sickness. So if my voice is a little hoarse, you know, that's that's why. But, you know, I can't complain. Um, you know, in the last week, I had my birthday. You can see I have a new wall Happy hanging. Happy birthday. Thanks, yes. Thanks to, thanks to Dr. Gieselman. I have a new wall hanging, the, the nice Tim Anderson jersey up on the wall. And, you know, I can't complain. It's been a pretty good week. Excellent. Do anything fun for your birthday besides get the TA jersey, of course? Ah, not really. I mean, you know, just kind of just hung around. You know, I got to spend the day at a, at a wrestling tournament. So, you yeah. know, spend it what I do every single day. So, you know, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. The, I swear the older I get and Dr. Galloway could probably pipe up, but the older I get, the, the less fanfare I need. It seems like, you know, as a kid, you just wanted to go out and celebrate or wanted to have a party. And then the older I get, I'm just like, give me the give me the few close family friends and, and I'm good. So. Give me Very a night good. off instead of exactly. uh, night <laughs> right. Off. right. Your birthday, yeah, that was on a Friday, I think it was, and so you know nothing like having a wrestling tournament on a Friday. So, yep, All, always working. But hey, you know what? That's what keeps us young. I swear, despite what you might think about me. So, so what's coming up for you? You know, how are classes going? How's the last of your uh, your masters? Like, you know, what's going on in life? Yeah, I mean, the Masters is, you know, I'm, I'm darn near pretty much done with, you know, all my, you know, everything that I need to, you know, put together for my portfolio. So my final portfolio, I've got all that taken care of. And, um, you know, we, we start our conference tournament, you know, this weekend. So, you know, hopefully we can qualify some of our wrestlers at the national tournament. And it's just, you know, heavy wrestling mode, heavy recruiting mode, you know, trying to bring some some wrestlers on campus and, you know, it's, that's kind of the extent of everything right now. Yeah, no, this is definitely the, uh, what I call busy season for sure. Yep. And so, you know, midterms are going to be coming up. We're going to have to start dealing with some grades. No doubt there's going to be some questions on that, but you know, before you know it, we're going to be at spring break and then the semester is going to be over. And I just feel like, I always feel like the spring semester just flies by. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now that I am no longer wrestling, I can, you know, agree and attest to that. <laughs> I could, I, I believe if you were wrestling, it would be, it would be a rough You're having the yeah, conferences it's, it's, and then you know, going long. to nationals. And so it, yeah, it would make for a long semester. Yep. Well, good. Well, you know, I can't wait to uh, jump into today's chat. So without further ado, would you want to introduce our guest to our listeners? Yeah. Today's guest is Dr. Robert Galloway. Dr. Robert Galloway has been in clinical practice in Texas for over 39 years. Dr. Galloway graduated from the University of Houston in 1973 with his Bachelor's of Pharmacy and became a registered pharmacist in 1973. He earned his commercial pilot's license and became a certified flight instructor in 1975 before returning to school and earning his Doctorate of Chiropractic degree from Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa in 1981. He has certifications as a certified chiropractic sports physician, Certified for Manipulation Under Anesthesia, Diplomate from the American Academy of Pain Management, Certified Chiropractic Rehabilitation Doctor, Certified Clinical Nutritionist, 
designated independent medical examiner for Texas Workers' Compensation Committee, and diplomate from the American Clinical Board of Nutrition. Dr. Galloway, welcome. How are you doing, sir? Thank you. I also have a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, for our listeners, because that's probably going to be the most important piece of this whole conversation, what kind of dog? Uh, Labrador Retriever. Oh, and what's his or her name? Aiden. Chocolate. 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 Lab. Okay, very cool. Excellent so, dog. Yeah. How old? Is it a puppy or is it? Oh, no. Let's see. No. Uh, 11. 11. That's that's about how old Ruby is. I have an English bulldog who, Drew can tell you, definitely has my uh, personality. Like, it's kind of hard to get Ruby going some days. Like, come on, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, and then, but Drew has a husky and there's oh, no man. like. <laughs> he's he's young and energetic and you know full of you know anything you can imagine yeah well if this anything is 20 pounds of dog wow so he'll, he'll pull you right up out of your chair <laughs> right well dr galloway we we gave the introduction but you have a lot going on and so i just want to give you a chance to tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself like tell us tell us uh you know where you've been and how you did all of these things over the years Okay. Well, um, I want to kind of address how I got into chiropractic and nutrition. Yeah. So that kind of starts back um, in pharmacy school. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in pharmacy school from 1970 to 1973 and uh, graduated from there. Um, Had a great instructor in pharmacognosy, which Mm -hmm. is the study of uh, plants being used for medicines. So that's kind of where I got my first initial interest in um, natural medicines. Mm-hmm. And then um, got out, graduated, started working. I, I worked for the company that's now CVS uh, in community pharmacy. And I also worked in hospital pharmacy at one of the hospitals in the medical center. But um, what happened was, is I started to see a pattern Uh, in the patients that I was seeing. Uh, For instance, I saw one that started off with headaches and started taking aspirin and then started taking narcotics and then had brain surgery. And then a year and a half later was taking aspirin again. And I started to see this pattern um, of patients that were not getting well, but were going through the whole system of allopathic medicine and not recovering from it, not seeing an improve, a significant improvement. Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing that started to trigger me to start to look for something else. Um, the other thing that happened to me was, um, while I was practicing pharmacy, um, I was in a situation where I was in a class of, of trained pharmacists that were trained to counsel patients on the effects of the drugs and the interactions. And at the time, uh, the physicians around me, especially in community pharmacy, did not want you to counsel their patients. They didn't want them to know what the effects of the drugs would be. And they weren't interested in um, any kind of side interactions or anything like this that might show up. They w- In fact, I still remember one medical doctor telling me if I wanted him to know that, I'd tell him myself and I'm going to sue you. So 
I that's, was. That's uh, never fun. Yeah, I was in the process of being sued by two medical doctors, and ended up having a back problem myself. Mm-hmm. And one of my close friends escorted me to um, a good friend of mine now, Dr. John Felker, a chiropractor, down in Southwest Houston, mm-hmm. and. Uh, after one visit, I was standing up again, and I was antalgic about, um, I don't know, 45, 50 degrees, enough that I couldn't work the case at the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So all those things together, and then uh, Dr. Felker actually went with me by air, and we flew up to Palmer and went through the college and looked at it and talked about it, and uh, I ended up going to Palmer. A year or two later. Wow. So that's how I got from pharmacy over to chiropractic. And I looked, I investigated all the different colleges, but um, I figure if I'm going to change from pharmacy to chiropractic, I need to go back to where it all started. And so that's how I ended up at Palmer at the Fountainhead, which had tremendous advantage because Um, I actually got to meet Jay Clake Thompson. Okay. Um, I knew the last Palmer. Yeah. Um, I got to study at Mount Orb with the Gonstead guys. Um, Wow. So it was, it was a perfect time to get into chiropractic because all these tremendous uh, guys were available um, in the field of chiropractic. And then just by accident at a seminar, I ran headlong into Carl Miller, yeah, who was one of the leaders in nutrition. Um, and that's kind of how I developed my interest in even more. And if you know anything about Palmer, you know that was a straight school. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the physical therapy equipment was locked in the basement under lock and key. <laughs> and, so to go down there and train on the PT equipment, you had to have an instructor with a key to get in the room. Wow. And it was pretty much like that with nutrition also. It was hard to, uh, although we had some seminars on campus, it was, it was difficult. But um, we had enough that those of us that knew we were going to end up being mixers knew that uh, that was the direction we needed to go. So right. that's kind of how that happened. Um, how many how many mixers do you think were in a typical class, or or is it? Um, I know things change, but I don't know. Maybe maybe twenty thirty percent. Okay. Um, after they got exposed to some of it, because nutrition is the perfect mix for chiropractic. I mean, uh, it's oh, natural absolutely. medicine. It's the the ideal thing that uh, kind of promotes and is an additional add-on to manipulative therapy and to the adjustment. So I, I don't know how I would function without it. It's that important to me. Mm-hmm. So um, funny thing that happened to me, uh, I was practicing pharmacy across the river in uh, Illinois. So when we, and everybody knew it. So when I got, when we all graduated, I, uh, and they were, making fun of everybody. I got the, um, the award for better living through chemistry. <laughs> Palmer, there you which go. was really a, <laughs> a bizarre thing at the time. Okay. Right. So, um, 
So that's kind of how I got into it. So what, you know, what did you like about pharmacy that, you know, led you to pharmacy in the first place? Well, um, if you want to go back even further in high school, <laughs> I had a real interest in chemistry. So I ended up taking advanced chemistry and physics when I was in high school and everybody pushed me into, uh, into chemistry. So mm -hmm. my first year in college was as a chemistry degree uh, or a major chemistry major. And uh, I decided at that point, after a year of uh, burettes and uh, test tubes and all that stuff, that that was really not for me. I really liked people a whole lot better. Right. So I transferred to the University of Houston and, and went after the pharmacy degree because that fit right into the chemistry and um, was a position that I could get into that allowed me to work with people to consult with people. Although at the time, as I told you, I had all this problem trying to do that. But now in the state of Texas, you are required by law to counsel patients. Good. So it's come 180 degrees around. Um, and now um, all the pharmacists are consulting and, and counseling patients on, on the drugs and the interactions of the drugs, and also, which makes my day, the interaction of their vitamins that they're taking and the drugs. Absolutely. So, yeah, we definitely want to touch base on some supplements later on because that's that's something that Drew and I get, you know, doing dealing with athletes all the time. And even just, you know, the regular patient that comes in, they want to know what can they take, what should they take, and, you know, I think that's an often an overlooked um, piece that, there's an interaction for a lot. And, and Drew, I think it was your um, project last semester that I think, uh, wasn't there a checker that we had to do? We, we, you had to do it for your project to see the drugs and see the interaction between yes. certain supplements that you were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So any supplements, um, anything that we wanted to, you know, for class, right. Anything that we wanted to give to our, our, you know, client, um, we had to go on and check like what drugs, you know, they were taking that had interactions with other drugs or with these supplements, what, you know, what supplements could they take? What couldn't they take? So it was more than just, you know, here's the supplements we're giving and why we're giving them. It's here's the supplements we're giving. We know that these aren't interacting with anything else and why we're giving these supplements. So it was definitely. And how are you, you coming know, up with that information? What sources were, are you using now? So there's, there's a website, I think it was like, I couldn't tell you the exact name, but it was just a drug interaction website that, you know, cross-references, you know, you, you put in everything that, you know, you, you think the person is taking and should be taking and it, it cross-references all of it and tells you, you know, what potential side effects, you know, maybe these two can be taken, but just can't be taken at the same time. So I, I think it just references... Um, yeah. you know, the vast internet. That may be the, um, the site from the University of Colorado. They have one. Also, yeah. Medscape has a really good site. It might have been Medscape. I, I think I've used Medscape in grad school, and I think possibly drugs.com might have been one. Okay. Um, not promoting either site, but you know the Medscape one I think is what um, we had used, but I'll definitely check out the Colorado one because that sounds... And I'll tell you, a really great source is Carrie Bone's book um, okay. on interactions with herbs uh -huh. and medications. 
Excellent reference source. Perfect. Yeah, I just checked on that. We were using Medscape, so I think Medscape. you know, I think that's what okay. that's what we're using. Good. Excellent source. So, Doc, we've been you know this whole first season, we've been um, introducing uh, the listeners to not only the appointed board members, some of the appointed board members, but also the elected board. So as our council of nutrition president, um, you know, can you tell the audience what got you um, interested in becoming a board member? What, what do you do? Uh, what's the day to day look like? You know, why do you volu- Why do you choose to volunteer your time uh, with the council on nutrition? Okay. That's not too long of a topic. Right. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been involved with nutrition, let's see, since about 1973. Mm-hmm. And um, as I told you, I got involved with Carl Miller. And probably the first book I bought was the one, one of the ones put out by Alan Pressman. Mm-hmm. So I'm talking about some of the old guys that started out. Um, and so they gave me a desire to continue educating myself on a consistent basis. So every year I would do two or three seminars. And um, with that in the background, I would say that the reason I'm involved is to promote nutrition, but also to make sure it stays within the realm of chiropractic Mm -hmm. and that more chiropractic doctors get involved. Um, I want this, the Council on Nutrition and the the groups, the diplomat groups to go on. I don't want this to stop. Right. So whatever it takes, if I have to be <laughs> be involved in the board uh, to keep this going, I'm going to be in it. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So Dr. Galloway, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, Carl Miller and kind of how you got into um, nutrition a little bit. Can you, you know, expand on, you know, that, that journey from chiropractic into nutrition and kind of, you know, what you were seeing when you first started, what you may be seeing now that's changed, you know, from, from then. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a long topic. Um, let's see. I, I can probably even go back even further. My, um, my sister was taking a degree in nutrition from the University of Texas about the time that I went into practice as a chiropractor. And uh, she was passing information to me. I don't know whether you guys have heard of him, but Roger Williams was a PhD biochemist at the University of Texas and probably uh, wrote the first book on orthomolecular medicine. Wow. Uh, so that would probably be the starting point for me. Orthomolecular medicine is the study of nutrition and nutritional agents, vitamins, minerals, whatever it is, um, to provide the perfect health environment for the patient. And so he was probably the first one in listening to him talk and reading his books. Um, he was probably the start, along with Carl you know, what he was passing on to me. And then after Roger Williams, I got involved with Michael Cessna. I don't know whether you've heard of him, but he was one of the first chiropractors to teach um, blood analysis and urine analysis. So that's kind of where we started off was with him. And uh, 
I think he was in the uh, um, the internist group way back there. So that's that's kind of where that started. Um, I was trying to think of where who else. Um, there was a guy named Michael Taylor that was a DC out of Oklahoma that taught us IV nutritionals. If you can imagine, there was a time when we were doing IVs in my office. Very cool. And uh, a lot of the information for those IVs uh, came from a guy named Jonathan Wright, who's out of Washington State, who was an MD, um, that was doing some really creative nutritional uh, intravenous work and, and IM work. That was fascinating. Um, I also did a, um, a long course with the uh, Southwestern School of Homeopathy in Arizona and got uh, certified in morphologic hematology. So I got involved, <laughs> spent a whole lot of money, bought a big microscope and started doing my own blood wow. work in the office. So we were doing uh, CBCs and um, of course we were doing urinalysis and uh, starting out we were doing hair analysis, looking for heavy metals and looking for, um, you know, what mineral levels a, a patient might have. And so this all continued. Um, I started taking courses in virology, cardiology, herbal medicine, um, and then I got hooked up with uh, Dr. Bland. I'm sure yeah. you've heard of him. Um, I actually took the first week-long functional medicine course certification back in um, 1998, I think. It was the very first one. Wow. Um, and he had some really powerful stuff because he took us from... Uh, all of the other medicines, and I can name them off for you know, you know, like environmental and allopathic and complementary and alternative and um, orthomolecular and all these other things, and kind of combine those all into what we consider functional medicine now. Um, that's, and I think he's still on the track to do that. That's fascinating. You're talking about some big names within the field of nutrition and the field of chiropractic, but. Do you know if Dr. Uh, Taylor from Oklahoma is still in practice? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I would imagine he is, though. He was a spry dude. <laughs> I mean, the only reason I ask is I, I swear that I, I, so I went to engage the end of January, yeah. and I'm wondering if he's one of the House of Delegates. Because seated at the table was a gentleman from Oklahoma and I looked him up and I'm, and you know, maybe it's just because Oklahoma does a lot of the IV nutrition yeah. um, and still can do some IVs. But, you know, the, the particular practice that I was creeping on that day um, definitely had definitely had that. And I was I'm almost certain that uh, that was Dr. Taylor. And so I'm just well, he'd be, what a small he'd probably world. be in his 60s or 70s now. Yeah. So, I mean, this he definitely had a presence for him. That's for sure. Yeah. But br brilliant guy. Brilliant guy. But things have changed in Texas now. Uh, we can't do any injectables, uh, any IVs now, mm -hmm. and uh, we no longer can do uh, manipulation under anesthesia anymore uh, in the hospital okay. setting. So 
lots of things have changed. We're, we're back to, um, you know, oral methods of application of nutrition now. Now, is that something that is, is going to change or, you know, have we gone backwards too far? Do you think? Well, um, I think it changes with the, the board, the Texas board members, whoever's in there. Currently, I think we have a very um, conservative group that's more straight than they are mixer. And, okay. you know, if that swings the other way, then I think we, we probably will go back the other way and be able to use nutritionals um, by injection. Yeah. But um, right now, I don't think that's going to happen for a while. Okay. Well, let's talk business. So if, you know, I hear a lot of new docs and I hear, you know, even docs who are in practice right now wanting to incorporate nutrition um, into their practice or if they get started, you know, what kind of advice do you have to allow somebody to get, um, you know, involved in nutrition? I mean, is there, is it just something where all of a sudden I put some supplements on the store shelf and, I'm considered a nutrition or where would you start? Oh, wow. If I was going to start right now, um, I think I would get into a 300 hour course okay, and get going with that again. Um, I mean, when I started, we didn't have a 300 hour course. So we just right. started out with whoever was doing the next course, you know, wherever it came yeah. from whether it came from the internist or whether it came from, uh, you know, some, some other, uh, college that was starting to teach nutrition again. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, as soon as you get into it and you start to get some idea about what nutrition is, or let's just say functional medicine now, what that is, you know, and you get the concepts of, um, the patient as a biochemical individual entity. And you get the idea that um, we are not bound by our genes. We can change the expression of those genes now. You know, once you start to get those core ideas, then what I would do is start with a questionnaire, an entry questionnaire for the patient as they come in to see you for a manipulative problem, let's say. Mm -hmm. And once you've gotten that information from them, you can start to ask questions about what their interests or their health problems are. And then you can gradually work them into say some, some beginning testing or doing a CBC or getting a copy of their blood work from their doctor and analyzing that uh, once you've got the background to, to be able to do that. Um, you know, there's, and, it, and it's a very gradual thing that I would suggest because you have to have the confidence of the patient to know what you're going to do and what information they're going to get from any testing that you might do. So you've got to be very fluid in the testing that you want to use and the information that you intend to get out of that testing, for instance. Um, I'm trying to think what else. You know, as a whole, people really don't want to be on medication. <laughs> they really right. don't want to take it. Um, and you, if you can just start slow and let them know that there are other approaches to a lot of chronic problems. 
that you can help them with, or you can assist, you know, you don't, and, and you don't want to um, take them away from the, their allopathic approach, but you want to do things to complement that to begin with. Okay. Right. Um, I would say once you've got a questionnaire and you've talked to them just a little bit while you've been working with them, set up a nutritional consult, you know, and spend a half an hour, 45 minutes with them and really get to know the patient and know what they're looking for. You can start with some basic testing. Uh, like I told you in the very early beginning, we had, we just had urinalysis and, um, a CBC, um, and a hair analysis. You know, now there's so much stuff out there that you can go into. Right. Um, I've gotten so fun. It's almost overwhelming for a new practitioner. Huh? Said it's almost overwhelming for a new practitioner. Oh, it is. That's why I'm saying start with just a few things. Get really fluent in those and then start to work with them. And then, you know, uh, let's say you wanted to add... Um, Let's see what test. Let's say you wanted a, an easy one to get in is a spectrocell, which is a vitamin mineral analysis. Are okay. you aware of that? I'm not. Heard of We're it? actually looking for a good one. Um, it's a blood test and yeah. it's an easy way. It's an easy cell because um, it gives you data on how much of a particular vitamin mineral you so you can tell okay. specifically what a patient is deficient in and go back to them with hard data and say, you need to be on this. Here's the data that supports this. Okay. Um, you know, talking about the business though, I would not really? charge for the testing. Charge for your really? time. Charge for your time. In other okay. words, let them pay whatever the cost is on the testing. Okay. But right. don't add anything to that. Charge, okay. charge for your time, for your analysis of the test and the time you're going to spend going through the test with them. And of course, charge for your supplements. Right. Uh, and whatever else you add into that. Um, just to give you an idea, consistently, let's see, I saw 50, I see 50 patients a day, let's say. And um, I was adding between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars profit from just nutrition to my practice every year. So you could actually make it on nutrition if you just wanted to, or you can right. you can add it in slowly to your manipulative practice. So that's great to hear, Drew. <laughs> right? Yeah, and uh, I would say advertise in house. You know, advertise yeah. to your patients. Um, ask them if they know somebody that might benefit from a test that you've done on them. Um, they always know somebody. And uh, yep. every time you take a seminar, I guarantee you, when you get back to the office, there will be somebody that comes in that week <laughs> that has or needs your help, has that problem and needs your help. Yeah. I guarantee you. Yeah. You know, Drew can, Drew is a guinea pig a lot. Every time I came back from a conference <laughs> or a, Seminar. I mean, you know, if I learned a new adjusting technique, I mean, because Drew was with me all four years of undergrad. So he was our he yep. was a student worker for our department. And so, you know, he even made a comment one day. He's like, I, I feel like every time you come back, there's something new. It's because there is. He still looks pretty yeah. good. <laughs> right? 
it, it must have worked. Yeah, something worked, right? But, you know, that's great. Like, the word of mouth is definitely something that, um, you know, I think oftentimes people put so much into marketing and the amount of money they have to spend on marketing. But, you know, I see it, if you just take a look at the students here who are on campus, yeah. I mean, there's a lot because, you know, they're a, a legacy student. Mom or dad went here. A brother or sister went here. You know, it's all about word of mouth mostly. I mean, it's not because we're making the world's best flyers and handing them out at, you know, career fairs. It's yeah. it's word of mouth. People know where Graceland is. And so the same thing with, with our practices. You know, that's why Drew is able to get some of the athletes that he gets. You know, exactly. it's word of mouth. I know Drew went here. I know, you know, ex-student went here. I want to follow in those footsteps and things like that. So. Yeah. Well, I only Definitely. advertised in-house. I didn't do any external advertising. Wow. So, so it's interesting, you know, you kind of have talked about, um, you know, the, the word of mouth and the, and the in-house advertising. Were, are you only, you know, taking – you know, patients that you already have and that you're already, you know, have already been coming in for manipulation and turning them into, you know, nutrition patients? Or are you taking, you know, strictly people that are coming in just for nutrition counseling? Um, I'd say probably both. Um, because once, like I said, once the patients realize that you have an interest in this and that you've been training in it for years, um, and you start putting things on the wall that say you've got a certificate in this or you've got a, you know, you've taken all this training in this test or whatever it is. Or one of their neighbors has gotten benefit because you did a, um, a hormone panel on them and got rid of their hot flashes, for instance, and figured out what the key issue was. Um, the word gets around really quickly. You'd be amazed. So I would say... Internal advertising is the key once you get going. Um, because external advertising, um, you've, you've got to deal with everybody else that's out there. The registered dietitians are out there trying to do it. The, uh, you know, the med, meds or medical doctors are starting to do it now. Um, which, which brings me to another topic that I want to bring up. Um, yeah. You know, when you start off, you need to have a mentor. Mm -hmm. Somebody that you can consult with, um, somebody that you know has been in the field for a while, um, that when you start taking on nutritional patients, you know, we want, we want to do what is the very best for them. We want to go right. at this at, uh, at no time without that thought. What is the very best we can do for the patients? So if you've got somebody you can contact and go over a case with and let them bounce back and forth what your recommendations are. Um, I was really fortunate early on and I had a, a naturopath um, that I met and his, his experience and background was just um, amazing. And the most help that I got from anybody, I think. But uh, that's that's a key thing is to get a mentor. You no, know, that, that's that's great advice. You know, especially for those listening that are, are getting ready to go into nutrition, or just going into the chiropractic profession. Like, I mean, that's that's applicable no matter where we go, right? Either, yeah. either I mean, the council has a program now, right? And and the council we have that. You know, um, 
having the ability to just reach out to somebody like I I've talked about it before on the podcast. Like I still have a core group of guys from when I was in school that I'll bounce ideas off of. Um, not, not many of them do nutrition. They're not focusing on nutrition. So, you know, if I get, you know, an interesting case that comes in chiropractic wise, I'll toss it around to them. And, but if they have nutrition stuff, I mean, it's amazing, right? It's coming right back to us. And, and something exactly. that you know I heard at, um, engage that, you know, a lot of the specialty councils were starting to wanting to emphasize is utilizing, right? We have the diplomates within our profession, utilizing those experts. We, you know, we, in, in chiropractic, we have radiologists, we have DAC bars, right? If, if I'm going to take x-rays yeah. and I want to read, I'm going to send it to a DAC bar. It's something that medicine has been doing for, for years, right? There's a specialty for everything in medicine. And so now we're starting to you know, utilize our resources instead of just keeping, trying to keep everything in house. Like it's, it's really growing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, um, I can't tell you how much, how important education is. Right. I'll, uh, let me move my camera here for a second. And I want to show you my brain. Love it. Yeah. There's my brain. If I haven't got it on the tip of my tongue, that's where I go get it. No, that's great. You know, I had a doc in school that um, I don't know what you used for your um, physiology. We use guidance. Oh, yeah. And I had, a, I had a PhD. He said, if you don't use guidance, I'm not coming to it. <laughs> I mean, I still have, have guidance on my shelf right now. And I, I've joked with Drew before and I've joked with others. Like, I have used my medical biochemistry book more outside of grad school, <laughs> especially when I was studying for my diplomate exam. I mean, it was just packed with information. Who knew? That's right. <laughs> Nothing like that biochemistry. Right. <laughs> so are you, when you see patients, are you utilizing um, insurance or is it mostly a cash-based practice? Like what, what are you seeing? You know, um, that's a really mixed bag in Texas. Um, mm -hmm. For a while, the only thing we could in, in fact, even now, the only thing we can get um, the insurance to pay for is an exam. And we list it as a nutritional consult kind of an exam. Okay. And we can get them to pay for that. But uh, they certainly will not pay for supplements. Um, mm -hmm. They won't pay for testing. None of that. In the state of Texas, even if you want to send somebody and you've got the, the information to back you up uh, for a CBC, for instance, the patient has to pay for it. So all of that is cash, all the testing, all the yeah. supplementation and all that. So even the mainstream, like CBCs, lipid panels, like even the same tests that a medical doctor would order, they have to pay for that out of pocket with us. Right. In the state of Texas. Now there the are state states that it does get paid for, but not here. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's I, what, what pushed me to tell you that, don't charge for your testing. Just whatever the base cost is, let them pay for it and don't add anything onto it. Well, that makes a lot more sense. I mean, yeah. Yep. Do you, do you find that that drives patients away? You know, if you get into some of these more expensive tests, do you feel like patients start sh shying away from it? You know, maybe they'll well, you know, I'm, stop I'm seeing you. I'm going to say yes and no. And let me explain. Um, a lot of times when I get a new nutrition patient, they're going to have um, basic blood work already that's been done by their medical doctor. 
and that was paid for, okay? Some of the specialty tests, like say the Dutch test for hormones or um, an organic acid test or, um, you know, an ELISA act or something like that, um, the patients will pay for it once you give them a complete understanding of what you're looking for and what it's gonna tell them, mm -hmm. okay? Most of the time, they're more than willing to pay for it. So does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I think that, um, you know, us as an online practice, we find that, you know, a lot of people, you know, will see the, the price of the test and they'll shy away from it. Whereas, you know, you as, you know, more of the in-person practice, you are, you know, seeing them face to face multiple times, not just for nutrition, but, you know, for chiropractic manipulation, I think that, you know, you're able to really um, show them, you know, your knowledge and, you know, show them, you know, this, you really do need this, like, this is something that is going to help you. I think that's probably something that we, you know, lack in, in the online version of, of a practice. But still, if you're, do you, how, I don't know how you uh, interrelate with an online, but if you can uh, convince them of the necessity for the test, yeah, uh, then I think you can, you can come across with it. I mean, and that's something that we, Definitely. that's something that we do with the online practice. So I mean, we, we, what Drew's referring to is the Iowa Performance Institute. And so we started that last summer. And so it's, okay. it's a lot of nutritional and fitness um, consultation. And so, you know, people can get an initial consultation for free. Like they can come, you know, fill out some paperwork, but they just have a conversation with us. And so it's what I find is it's all about finding out what your goals are. Right. Exactly. And this is the same thing with students. I mean, you know, I want every student to get an A if we're just going to use academics as a piece. I want every student to get an A. But if that's not your goal, <laughs> That's not your driving force, right? I'm sure Drew, as a coach, wants every person to win a national title, but there's a lot that goes into a national title. And same thing whenever they come in for a consultation with us, it's what are your goals, right? It may not be running a marathon. It may just be, I want to play with the grandkids in the yard, or I want to, you know, just have better health, or I've had a health scare and I want to change. Like, it's not up to us to decide what your goals are. And so once we pinpoint those goals, um, you know, typically there's, there's that buy-in there's, you know, okay, what do I need to do? Like there's the commitment level. Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree. Mm -hmm. um, because they've got to be committed. The patient has got to be committed to what you're doing. Yeah. Or, or Definitely. They're wa you're wasting their time. They're wasting your yeah. time. So, so I kind of wanted to, to switch gears a little bit and kind of ask you about supplementation. I know we've been talking about testing a little bit. We talk about, you know, business and patients. Um, what, you know, what are your thoughts on supplementation? I get a lot of questions on, you know, what supplements should I be taking, especially from my athletes? My athletes are always asking, you know, coach, what supplements do I need to be taking to improve my performance to, you know, just, just make me an all around better wrestler, you know, a to Z performance wise, what are your thoughts on supplementation? Uh, you know, just an off the cuff answer. I would say uh, I'd run them through a spectra cell and see what their um, vitamin mineral levels were, number one. And um, another thing that comes up in my mind for athletes is uh, ribose, the powder. Um, that seems to be um, 
useful in cardiometabolic uh, strengthening um, for an athlete. So those would be two things I'd jump right Very in. Cool. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, companies out there that have devoted their um, supplement lines to athletes. And uh, I think if you just contact a couple of them, I could probably give you some names after. Perfect. All right. Well, <laughs> oh, definitely. So, what do you look for when you like when you're going to recommend? As a, especially, I want to hear this as a, as a, you know, having your pharmacy background. What is something that you look for in a supplement company? I mean, I had a teacher in school, and you you may have heard of him because he was with the council for a while. But he would always say, "Don't go to the walls. Walgreens, Walmart." Like, you know, he was, he had, I mean, that was his little catchphrase. Well, don't go to the walls. Like, you know, I definitely think that some of the products that even we, even we may recommend can still be found there. I mean, I know for the longest time you couldn't find biofreeze at Walmart and now biofreeze is at Walmart. So just because it comes from there doesn't make it bad. But as somebody who's been in the pharmacy background, especially, what are you looking for in a, in a supplement company before you're willing to recommend it? That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> Let me start off with uh, about once every week or two, I used mm -hmm. to get a call from a supplement company okay. asking me if I would buy their products and giving me a list of what their products were. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually beforehand, they'll send you a packet of literature about all the products that they're making, right? And the key question from me was, is can you send me some independent lab data about what's in your supplements? And you'd hear a click at the other end. <laughs> that's not good. As they would hang up. So I think that's that's my one of my criteria is, um, have you done any independent lab work on these supplements? Yeah. What can you tell me about them? Um, you know, who's the lab? Can you send me this data that right. shows me what's in your stuff? Because trust me, um, a lot of the stuff coming out of China, um, I can, um, what is it? There, there were, have been a couple of herbs that uh, China had removed the active ingredient mm -hmm. and then sent it on. <laughs> oh, so the, the herb okay. came to the U.S. and it was useless. <laughs> so you, you have to know somebody's doing testing. Right. You know, you can't... Um, and I can, I can tell you where I started. I started with, with um, Metagenics. Uh -huh. And then um, I added orthomolecular. Um, I had a local guy in Texas called Weed Botanicals that made me up tinctures of herbs that were excellent. He's still in practice, still, still doing it. Um, let's see who else. Of course, I use Moss and Perk and... Um, some of the guys that are well known that we know, you know, in the council right. that have been around a while, uh, biotics is certainly a good one. Um, there's a guy in Austin, Texas now, Kendall Stewart, that's got a company called neurobiologics that mm -hmm. makes some really superb, uh, combinations for, um, anxiety and mood regulation and that kind of thing. And he's basing all his work on genomic testing. So you can actually do some, take his uh, genomic testing to the patient, let them do it, mm -hmm. come back with what kind of SNPs show up, and then treat the SNPs. Well, that's 
that's fascinating stuff because that's something that we've been asking some of our, and, and don't worry, you'll get this question later on, but we've been asking, you know, all of our guests, like what's the newest field or what's the frontier. And that's what we've been hearing a lot of genomics, um, nutrigenomics yep. specifically, that's, and then talking about the gut microbiome. And so, you know, gut microbiome is definitely something that we utilize um, within the practice because I'm just, our standard American diet just is not, not doing it for us. Yeah. Have you seen, um, I've just started using the um, GI mapping. Yes. Through Diagnostic Solutions. Diagnostic Solutions. Superb test. Um, And they've got good data to back it up. So very good. Speaking about the gut microbiome. Yeah. What would you say is your normal patient that comes in? I mean, are you, are we, are they a wellness patient? Are they trying to, you know, treat something? Are they just looking for answers? What do you think the normal makeup is? You know what I think it is? I think it's a patient that um, has talked to somebody else about a test I have done. Okay. Okay. So like um, I keep bringing up the Dutch test, but that test is so valuable, Mm -hmm. especially in perimenopause and menopausal patients and in guys too. Um, especially if they've got a prostate cancer risk. Um, It gives you so much information. And one patient will do the test, we'll work them up, we'll set them up on a program, or we'll make a referral. Say, for instance, if they they really need uh, prescription uh, hormones. Mm -hmm. And then somehow another person finds out about that patient getting that test done and then they, they come back to me and ask me to do that test on them. And so that's kind of a, how it works. It's a, it's a starting point with one test, and then we evaluate the whole patient, and then we see if there's any other testing that needs to be done. So are you 100% case by case, or do you start everybody with the same testing that comes into your practice? No, I, I do case individual. Whatever test looks like, it's it's the one that fits them. Mm-hmm. So we don't do a, a broad range of testing uh, across the board. Now, with the Dutch testing, I mean, is that so? Like, let's say you did the Dutch testing, then what's kind of your follow up after that? Um, well, most of the time, it's to start them on some kind of a program and get them going, and then get them in, get them to fill out a questionnaire and see what other um, problems they're having or whatever, what other health interests they want to pursue. And then we'll go after whatever other testing we might want to do. You know, but at the same time, you know, we're talking about testing, but um, you really need to uh, counsel patients about basic things like water intake. You know, I'm sure you've, right. you've, you guys all know about oh, drew we know about the we know about the hydration and wrestlers man i feel like i feel like we've talked about that more you know in the last you know three or so weeks on this podcast than right? you know we've talked about it in a long time but with the wrestlers man the hydration is the biggest thing well, those are yep. all key things you know sleep yep. uh, water intake how hydrated are you are you are you drinking water we have people coming in that are drinking coffee all day long you know, they never stop. Um, and then there's the basic things like smoking that yep. you you still have to work with and deal with because it affects their entire life. 
and uh, alcohol, of course. Um, so anything you can do to slow down some of these uh, chronic habits that are killing yeah. them. No, you, um, you talk about the alcohol, you talk about smoking. That's actually something we've been talking about this past week in, in my drugs class. And, you know, obviously, I think the students are amazed that smoking has actually gone down, but that's just cigarette smoking. Like, you know, when you ask them, is smoking decreased? Well, it's been replaced with vaping. I mean, the amount of people that think that vaping is somehow acceptable. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's one healthy substitute with another unhealthy. And I would argue that we don't even know really the consequences for the vaping yet. At least we know what happens with cigarettes in a pretty predictable way. We don't really know the vaping. I mean, yeah. we have vape lung for goodness sakes. Yeah. No, I, in my own opinion, I think it's as dangerous or worse. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think we gained anything by going to vaping. No. And, you know, my sport nutrition class, I, I got to bring up one more thing. Just as my students would say, I'm going off on a tangent now. And so let's go off on a tangent. You talk about how important water <laughs> is. So without really getting into the federal government and how brilliant they are, I was looking at the uh, brand new MyPlate the other day, right? And the student, one student asked me, well, you know, Dr. James, where's the water on the MyPlate? It's substituted with dairy instead. And I just think, you know, at a fundamental level, we talk about how important water is, and it's not even one of the essentials on my plate. <laughs> so I find that amusing. But, you know, this is the question yeah. that I promised you. So we're, we're about out of time for the podcast. So we really appreciate you coming on, but we're about out of time. So, yeah, so before we go, here it is. I need you to get out your crystal ball, okay? So get out your crystal ball and tell me what do you think – Okay. Tell the listeners, what's the next big thing in the field of nutrition? The next big thing. You, you've been around for a while. You've seen a lot of new changes. You've seen a lot of frontiers. What do you think the next big thing is in the field of nutrition? Um, I think probably the next thing is going to be um, individualized nutrition based on genomics. Because we have the testing now. We've got the availability um, I think the day will come when you have a, a problem, a disease, or whatever it is, where you check into a hospital, that they're going to run a panel on you that's based on genomics, and they're going to base whatever they do on that panel as far as meds or nutrition or um, just everything. I think that's where we're going. Yeah, I think it's going to happen really fast. I think that's coming really quick. But individualized nutrition based on the patient's biochemistry and genomics, that's where it's going. It's got to go there. Yeah, and that seems to be the, the you know, pretty spot on answer that, you know, most of, you know, our practicing providers that we're having on here have, you know, come up with. Like that's. Yep. Yep. Well, Dr. Galloway, uh, Thank you again for, you know, coming on the podcast today. You know, we really appreciate you coming on and giving, you know, a lot of insight through, you know, your vast years and, you know, chiropractic nutrition, you know, it, it's awesome to, you know, have you on here. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, pass on a little information. And uh, I so appreciate the fact that you guys are doing this and that you're promoting um, nutrition in the chiropractic arena. Keep going. Don't stop learning. We appreciate that.
Remember, new podcast episodes will be released weekly and will drop on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more every Monday with special behind-the-scenes clips shared on our social channels throughout the week. We appreciate everyone tuning in today. This has been Nutrition on a Mission, a podcast from the ACA Council on Nutrition. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Nutrition on a Mission Pod and follow Drew and I at Iowa Performance Institute for updates on our guests and episode releases. Can't wait for you guys to join us again next time. The views and comments expressed herein are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of the ACA Council on Nutrition or the American Chiropractic Association.